Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio, a hands-free ABB extension. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Brown, Associate Editor of the Angus Beef Bulletin. These are the three new front page articles in the August 23rd edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can find these at angusbeefbulletin.com extra. If you have questions or comments, let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. Life After Death by Suicide Life continues for those left behind. Treat them with care. Story and Photos by Paige Nelson, Field Editor No one ever mentions my dad's name. I'm sure they are uncomfortable bringing up my dad's name to me because they don't want me to be hurt. But I'm already hurting. Shared a grieving family member with Adrian DeSutter, an advocate for rural mental health, farmer, and certified school counselor. When asked how should we respond after a suicide, Adrian makes it clear, don't act like they didn't exist. It is okay to say their name. Adrian says members of the community, friends, and family cannot pretend it didn't happen. Yes, she says, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it does affect an entire community. However, we can't let that that discomfort get in the way of being proactive about moving forward and continuing to address it. Adrian's husband, Drew DeSutter, a full-time farmer, Angus rancher, and someone who has experienced the effects of death by suicide firsthand, says people want to talk about their loved one. You talk about cancer, you talk about heart attacks. The grieving process is probably very similar, he notes. I think that people want to talk about their family member. A suicide always surfaces unanswered questions, says Melba Sutton, a specialist clinical social worker. Family and friends want to know why, but there isn't always a why. It brings up the fact that I'm a human being and I'm doing the best I can in the moment, and that suicide is a reality in this world, she, she concludes. Sarah Brummett, Colorado Office of Suicide Prevention Manager, encourages communities and their residents to be very intentional in their response. How a community talks about, writes, and acknowledges that loss can be very important for other individuals who are connected to that person or who are also struggling with thoughts of suicide, she advises. We know that if you've been exposed to a suicide loss, the risk goes up. She says toolkits exist for media, schools, workplaces, etc. to guide how they form the narrative surrounding the event, how they can move forward, and how they can improve in the future. It is important to handle the situation with care, compassion, and knowledge. Above all, the experts agree, show love however you can, and accept that the grieving process looks different for everyone involved. An editor's note, Paige Nelson is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Rigby, Idaho. Association Perspective, A New Lease on Life by David Gazda with the American Angus Association. Each month, one of 13 regional managers employed by the American Angus Association is asked to write a short column for the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Articles are normally informative pieces that generally focus on the many programs and services offered by the American Angus Association, plus other topics and events occurring within the beef cattle industry. Many of the articles share very practical tips for managing your herd, from what to do with your bull after purchase to marketing his calves to the full value. This month, Regional Manager David Gazda shares something even more important, possibly even life-saving for you or a loved one. In October of 2011, I was diagnosed with stage 3C metastatic melanoma. After recovering from the initial shock of having been told I had cancer, 
My next thought was, how could this be? How could this possibly have happened to me? After all, in my mind, I was the picture of health, running and cycling daily to stay in shape, eating healthy, watching my weight, and having a complete physical annually. In hindsight, however, I was the perfect candidate. You might even say I was the poster child for skin cancer. Having spent countless hours as a youngster at the pool, on the ball field, and later as a lifeguard in high school and college, slowly being baked by the sun and unconsciously inflicting irreparable damage to my skin. To add further insult to injury, this doesn't even include my adult years when I knew better. Yet I continued to work outside on an open cab tractor, build fence, and perform other farm chores in the middle of the day during the sun's strongest rays without any form of skin protection. According to the American Cancer Society, skin cancer is the most common and one of the fastest growing types of cancer in the United States, with exposure to the sun being the main risk factor. More than 3.3 million people are treated for basal cell or squamous cell skin cancer each year. Each year. In 2022, approximately 99,780 new melanoma cases will be diagnosed. About 57,180 will be in men and 42,600 in women. In 2022, approximately 7,650 people are expected to die of a melanoma, about 5,080 of men and 2,570 women. Most skin cancers, including melanoma, can be cured if found and treated early. My intent of this article was neither to have you feel sorry for my situation, nor to unnecessarily frighten you. It's simply to remind you that, as cattlemen, we spend a significant amount of time in the sun, usually unprotected, and therefore more susceptible to skin cancer than people in most other professions in this country. I'm fortunate that I work for an, for an organization that places personal well-being above a time clock, allowing me to travel to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, more than 60 times in the last 11 years, to receive the best medical attention available for my condition. More importantly, I am blessed to have the support, encouragement, and prayers of family, friends, and co-workers as I continue my daily battle to defeat this disease. In closing, I encourage you to take time to learn the A, B, C, D, E rule of melanoma and early signs of skin cancer. Do weekly checks of your body. If you find anything unusual, go to the doctor immediately. Avoid the sun during the middle of the day and protect yourself from the sun's ray by wearing long sleeves and long pants, a hat with a wide brim, and eye protection. Finally, regardless of the weather outside, always use a sunscreen lotion with a protectant value of at least 30. Living with melanoma has changed my life and that of my family forever. I hope by taking time to read this column, or listen, it might change your life and maybe that of someone else you care about. For more information, visit uh, www.cancer.org cancer melanoma hyphen skin hyphen cancer dot html. Editor's note, David Gazda is the director of field services and serves as regional manager for Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. Blood-based biomarkers help predict outcomes after traumatic brain injury. Proteins measured on the day of injury could help determine prognosis. I'm going to start with the editor's note here, because having known three people who suffered traumatic brain injuries while sorting livestock, this is especially relevant to cattle producers. This article is from the National Institutes of Health. 
A study funded by the National Institutes of Health found that biomarkers present in the blood on the day of a traumatic brain injury, or a TBI, can accurately predict a patient's risk of death or severe disability six months later. Measuring these biomarkers may enable a more accurate assessment of patient prognosis following the TBI, according to results published in Lancet Neurology. Researchers with the Transforming Research and Clinical Knowledge in TBI, which is track TBI, study examined levels of a glial fibrillary acidic protein and ubiquitin carboxyterminal hydrolase, L1, proteins found in glial cells and neurons, respectively, in nearly 1,700 patients with TBI. Track TBI is an observational study aimed at improving understanding and diagnosis of TBIs to develop successful treatments. The study team measured the biomarkers and blood samples taken from patients with TBI on the day of their injury and then evaluated their recovery six months later. Participants were recruited from an 18 high-level trauma centers across the United States. More than half, 57%, had suffered TBI as the result of a road traffic incident. The study showed that um, the glial fibrillary acidic protein and the UCH L1 levels on the day of injury were strong predictors of death and unfavorable outcomes, such as vegetative state or severe disability requiring daily assistance to function. Those with biomarker levels among the highest fifth were at greatest risk of death in the six months post-TBI, with most occurring within the first month. The GFAP and the UCH1 are currently used to aid in the detection of TBI. Elevated levels in the blood on the day of the TBI are linked to brain injury visible with neuroimaging. In 2018, the US FDA approved use of these biomarkers to help clinicians decide whether to order a head CT scan to examine the brain after mild TBI. The new study suggests that DFAP and UCHL1 may also help to predict recovery, particularly among patients with moderate to severe TBI. The biomarkers improved the accuracy of current prognostic models. The researchers found that the predictive value of the biomarkers was strongest for patients with moderate to severe TBI. However, the biomarkers did not accurately predict who would experience incomplete recovery, moderate disability but able to live independently at six months. Although additional studies are necessary to reproduce the results, the findings indicate that blood-based biomarkers may help clinicians and researchers better predict patient outcomes after TBI.